the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 179, recorded Friday, January 23rd, 2015. AV around the world. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Welcome. Um, if you're watching this live, good Friday afternoon to you. Uh, if you're not, just, hey, how are you doing? Uh, with us this week, uh, we have a couple of new timers, some folks that haven't been on for a while. And I noticed as I was introducing everyone, I have a lot of marketing folks. Uh, so maybe I'll get some free marketing advice after this show is over. Uh, first up... Mr. Joe Andrewlis, VP of Marketing and Everything Wonderful at AMX. How are you, sir? I am doing very well, uh, Tim. Thanks for having me on. It's mm -hmm. always my pleasure. And AMX by Harmon. I always, I, I, I keep forgetting that. And uh, AMX is fine. Everybody knows it, and that's all good. All right. But the by Harmon part is important this week, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a yeah. second. Uh, also a marketing guru, Kevin uh, Main is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing and Everything Good at Taurus Power. How are you, sir? Good, Tim. How are you? Good, good. I like Kevin's. If you're watching the video, I like Kevin's book bookcase. Um, so we'll have to steal that. Uh, Ted Green, my old buddy of pal from Strategy and Stratacom Group. How are you, sir? Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's yes. always good to be had by you. I'm not quite sure how to take that. So <laughs> <clears throat> we were in Denver together for Cedia. So you know, we were indeed. What happens in Denver is. Quickly forgotten, apparently. Anyhow. A mile high. Mile high, yes. There we go. Very well done. Uh, last but not least, uh, John Parker from CTI uh, Conference Technologies. Uh, he is from the Little Rock Group. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So we, we mentioned this when we, when we introduced Joe here. Um, we'll talk about this in a second. Um, but uh, we're going to uh, go to ISE, and we're going to go you know, um, hang out with some really cool folks, and, and Joe's actually one of them. Um, we did a Kickstarter, really great. Um, Joe and AMX was was one of the companies that that uh, gave us an awful lot of money, and so thank you again, Joe. We're happy to get you over to ISC. Yeah, yeah. So it's but here's the thing, right? So so I talked to these folks, and we've been doing this for for three and a half, four years now. And at first, we just did Skype, and so I just knew people by by name and by voice. And then we started doing video, and I've talked to Joe, you know, half a dozen times. He's advised me on some things. You know, marketing and PR wise, and so last year at Infocom, I'm sitting with with Sean Robinson from from AMX, and this guy walks up, and this guy is like, you know, this tall, and he's really, you know, real tall guy. And he's like, "Hi, Tim." I'm like, "Hi, how are you?" Almost like, "Should I know you?" And I look down at his name, and it's Joe Andrewlis. It's like, you know, because I'm an idiot because I can't recognize his face. Halfway, be, half the reason is because his face is in the clouds because he's so freaking tall. No, no, he's not that tall. So. Uh, anyhow, so yeah, we're going to ISE and we get to hang out with Joe and so on. Like that. Um, AMX, not AMX, I'm sorry, Harmon, which is, which is one of the, the parent company of AMX, uh, did something interesting this week. And, and it took some folks by surprise. Uh, I would be one of them. Uh, Joe, but they bought a software company, right? And... At first glance, um, I, I'm kind of excited about it because it, one of the things that, that's been around for AV, in AV for, good Lord, forever, and I don't want to use the converge word because I'm, I'm not going to, but the IT word, right? Yeah. This company that, that Harmon purchased is 8,000 employees, right? It's an 8,000 employee software development company. What yep. are some of the things, I'm not asking for official, you know, you know Harmon or sure. AMX position, but, but, but from your standpoint... What are some of the things that, that Harman could do and, and, and AMX could actually benefit from uh, with uh, with these software development folks? Sure. Well, you know, I think the one of the big uh, impetuses behind getting this thing running is software is just becoming a big part of all systems. 
and uh, uh, Telica, the name of the software company that uh, software services company that was bought, is getting added as actually a fourth division. So it's not part of any of the other divisions; it's okay. part of a fourth division. And uh, so it's complementary in the sense that you know all of the divisions in Harman are depending on software development more and more. Um, and so adding it just made a lot of sense. It's a great going to be a great resource for all of us. Uh, in fact, I know that. Uh, even we at our AMX have worked with Telega in the past on some projects and um, for, for our own purposes. So this is all very, very exciting. It's all bringing them into the family. One thing that I found interesting as I was reading up on Harman and also the, the group that you guys got, Harman up until Wednesday had 16,000 employees, right? Roughly, you know, give yes. or take a couple. So you guys got a 50% increase overnight. As far as a corporation, what does that, I mean, does that change the culture? Or does it just like, eh, it, what's, what's a few more people? Well, you know, I mean, it's, you can't predict the future perfectly, but I think the fact that it's operating as a fourth division mm -hmm. will probably isolate that uh, any direct effect a little bit, right? So, um, you know, its own culture, its own way of operating will pretty much, I, I expect, probably remain a, a little bit independent of the way all the other op groups operate. Okay. Uh, and I think that's good, right? So we'll have the capabilities, but you know, you don't necessarily get um, distracted by deep integration efforts here. So uh, certainly in the short term, I don't anticipate it's going to create any sort of ripples. Uh, hopefully, you know, the whole point of doing any of these mergers, though, is taking the best things you learn from each one and rolling it across the board. So I, I'm hoping there is some impact. I just don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ted, from your standpoint, both from uh, the marketing standpoint and from you covering it from strategy, uh, what do you think the impact is going to be of, of, of rolling a, a software development company into a, well, into a primarily uh, AV company, both from audio, video, and control? Uh, I, you know, I don't, I'm not uh, deeply knowledgeable about these software per, uh, companies that they purchase, but I can say that uh, this is, a, on the face of it, at least a good, potentially brilliant move by a management that recognizes that they need to increase their software chops based on where the industry is going. Um, it's really an example, I think, of a professional management that recognizes that, uh, you know, although they're an old hardline company, old hardline brands, um, with professional management, they've recognized that the future is in software, you know, largely software-driven, certainly at least integrated with software. So uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, uh, uh, you know, it looks like, you know, as I learn more about the specific software companies that they purchase, um, it looks like it could be a brilliant move on their part. Okay. All right, Kevin, from your, your standpoint also, you know, um, I, I'm not sure Taurus hasn't exactly, um, you know, purchased any companies like, like you know, 8,000 employees. But uh, from your standpoint, you know, what, what impact do you think this will have on, on Harman overall? Well, you know, at Taurus, there's only 50 employees, so we're not purchasing any uh, 8,000 people companies right now. But, uh, you, know, you know, I think uh, Joe kind of hit on it a little bit uh, earlier that uh, so much of, of what we do now is software dependent, whether, whether you're building an audio video receiver, uh, whether it's a control system, or whether it's an in-car entertainment system. Uh, you know, there's an awful lot of code that's being written for software for, uh, for all of these applications. And, and I think that's the win here for Harman, is uh, they bring in a skill set uh, or, or really enhance a skill set that they already have. Uh, they can really, uh, you know, drive some, some product development and some future uh, product uh, launches. Okay. All right, Jonathan, from, from the end, not the end user, but from the, the integrator side, right? Uh, you're that midpoint. What do you what do you maybe um, expect to see from Harman and from AMX and from the other you know the Crowns and uh, you know all the other product line that that Harman has? What would you expect to see come out of a division like Joe said? There will be a separate separate division, but a division that's closely tied to um, closely tied to an AV company. A continuity between brands of things would always be a good thing. You know, not having to. Operate with 15 different software types to install a system or configure a system would certainly be a huge benefit. It seems like Harman has done a good job already with between Crown and BSS and a lot of the audio products I've worked with of kind of centralizing the control and the configuration of things. So I suppose branching that into other aspects of brands that Harman owns would probably be pretty exciting to see that develop. 
and that's their that's their London software, is that right? Yeah, Haiku Net and London yeah. and that's the doing off the top of my head. So so maybe let's get crazy here. Um as you know, I'm I'm a program well, I I I manage programmers, how about that? Um and uh and Jonathan does audio DSP really well. Maybe Joe getting one this is crazy, but one like massive software piece that it lets me pull in audio and video and I don't know. We're just getting crazy here. So sounds it sounds like sounds like a good kind of controlish kind of company ought to, well, <laughs> be, to kind of tie all that together. Yes, yes, a control company would be lovely. It's a shame that Harmon Oh wait, they do own one. Oh, so Yeah, well, you know, they're pretty insightful. They're thinking ahead. <laughs> Maybe they knew about this one before they yeah, 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 this is just crazy. All right, uh let's continue on with audio. Uh, Meyer Sound CAL is the very first Avenue Alliance certified speaker. Goodness gracious. Um, if you've ever listened to this show for more than five minutes, you know that I am a big proponent of AVB. That is what the Avenue Alliance, uh, it, it, they're a consortium that, that pushes AVB. They're all about AVB. They'll be at ISC in two or three weeks. They'll be at Infocom a year ago. They had their very first certified product. It was uh, an extreme switch. And it goes through rigorous tests. It goes through the testing at the University of New Hampshire. And I, for one, was very excited because they even wrote that said, hey, great, awesome, groovy. We're going to have you know all these AVB certified products. There's Avenue Alliance certified products coming down the pipe. That was a year ago. Yeah. This is number two. <laughs> Uh, no, it's not number two. I beg to differ. Okay. No. Well. No. I'm sorry. You're right. There. There was a crown. There, there was, was a crown, a crown amplifier. That's a. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. That was number two. So right. the second one was in June. So now we've got a trend. Now we've got. <laughs> no. Two was the trend. Three is an overwhelming adoption. God, I love marketers. It's a wave. <laughs> I love marketing guys. So so okay. I'll give you a trend. I'll give you. Know, my son loves patterns. This is a six-month pattern, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yes, Crown was the second. So, Joe, we'll, we'll, stick, we'll stick with you on this. Uh, what's you know what, what? What are we doing here? I mean, is the, oh. is it just the process is that rigorous? Is that what we're talking about? Or, you know, I'm not. A, I'm obviously not an audio guy. And AVB obviously yeah. is most of its time on the audio side of it. So, I, I really can't speak to the time to adopt. But um, what I will comment on is. Uh, you know, Harman and, you know, the industry generally knows that migrating towards increasingly network-centric AV delivery is real, real critical. And AVB, of course, is a great standard for, for getting that done. Uh, you know, Harman is completely on board with that. We did demonstrate it by coming back with a second product uh, that was AVB-enabled. Uh, so we're, you know, even though, you know, you could argue that the speaker is a competitive product or a JBL product line, you know, we're very excited about it because the standards only as good as its adoption yes. and getting more and more adoption is really, really critical. And it always takes those first willing people to jump on board to get enough, enough momentum behind a standard adoption to, to have others kind of feel like they need to get along with it. So they always start slow. I don't think that this is anything particularly unique. Okay. All right. See, I, and I, I was just excited because they had the first couple ones. So, uh, John, from from your standpoint, you're you're my audio guy on this show. What's uh, is this a big deal that it's taking so long, or is this just you know, um, it's cool that that you know we have our first speaker. I think it's cool that we have our first speaker. Um, I'd be excited to hear that. I get more excited just that Meyer has jumped into the column line array game more than how you're feeding it. If I had my way about it, I mean, I would probably still uh, go back and default to AES inputs as far as digital protocols and passing audio around. Uh, the AVB stuff is certainly exciting, but haven't dove in super deep because there hasn't been a lot of stuff to dive into, you know, other than maybe some of the buy-in products. But, so um, you would Dante do... has kind of followed the same thing where, you know, it's been slow to everybody to jump on board, but it's starting to pick up momentum, so... I was going to ask that because it, it seems like uh, there, there's a lot more Dante uh, feeders and, and listeners, you know, to use the AVB language. Uh, so you would rather do AES even over over Dante? Uh, not necessarily over Dante. I guess AES has just been a reliable standard for so many years, and it zero latency for the most part, and 
long distances and you know xlr connectors are certainly nice when you're touring so um, <clears throat> i mean that's just sort of been what i've used for so long yeah and Okay, yeah. The, re- the reason I asked uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Shrago, uh, Josh Shrago from ICS out in San Francisco, huge Dante supporter, huge Dante guy. Um, actually put a class last year at Infocom for it. So, uh, Mr. Ted, let's go with you on this. Um, from, from a, a, I guess, a market share standpoint, um, AVB has suffered because there are so many Dante's, uh, Dante products out there. What do you think they're going they're going to need to keep people interested if these certified products are going to take you know let's let's give them some some leeway here two to three months right at a time when they start cranking these things out what are they going to need to do to keep people interested Yeah you know I think that uh, that um, of course I'm more on the residential side than the commercial side um, I would say probably eighteen to twenty four months ago. I detected a lot of interest amongst residential integrators for AVB, but a lot of that was dissatisfaction over HDMI and issues with long-run HDMI. And and a lot of the integrators were just looking for anything that could help them. Um, and, you know, HDBase-T kind of stepped into the fold and solved that. I think there's still a lot of interest in AVB, but it's just taking so long that they're beginning to lose the faith. I understand that organizations like the Avenue Alliance want to enforce standards and make sure that uh, that uh, you know everybody adheres to the standards. But boy, they've got to pick up their pace for people to uh, uh, be able to really get a sense of uh, um, they rely on them and, and, and begin to design them into their systems. So uh, to me, that's the biggest challenge is how long it's taken them to get, get gear up and running. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kevin, from your standpoint, and, and Joe mentioned the standards, and, and yes, we, I I still like standards. I like the ability to, to make sure that regardless of whose product you're using, that you know you can you know have a set set of of you know criteria, right? So whether it's you know a power supply or it's somebody's um, audio system or control system, that right there is blasphemy, but it's a whole nother show. Um, from your standpoint, how important is it that, that they take their time and make sure that, that these suckers are, are really certified um, according to their standards? I think, you know, the standards part is it's definitely quite important. Um, you know, you, you, need to, uh, you need to take your time and make sure you're, you're bringing on products that are adhering to the standards. Um, but, you know, Tim, really with this category, you're a little bit outside of my area of expertise. Uh, because I'm certainly more on the residential side uh, as well, uh, just as Ted had mentioned. Uh, so I don't think I can really speak too much more towards this particular topic. That 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 will work. Uh, all right, uh, moving on. We are talking about Via International and the fact that well, uh, one of their founding members, uh, a gentleman by the Randy Randy Stearns, uh, is leaving uh, or, or has left rather. Um, this one's difficult, right? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it was all over the Twitterverse. It was, it's the lead, one of the lead stories in CE Pro, but I don't know much, much what to make of it. Right. Um, and I, I guess the, the best question to ask you guys is, are, are we in a situation where large multi organizational groups, whether it's a residential or a commercial uh, can survive. I mean, yes, we, we, we have emerged out of the Great Recession, but Ted, we'll, we'll start with you because you work with, with, uh, with, with you know, manufacturers a lot uh, and other uh, businesses in this, in this space. Are we, are we beyond the point where large, uh, large conglomerates like this can still survive, or is this just something else? Uh, you know, I have to tell you that from the day that this was announced, I question whether or not um, you know, we're, you know, each of these entities are in a specialty niche, uh, largely geographic centric business. And, um, you know, if you talk to any of the really smart financial people, you know, they'll talk about how, you know, rolling up multiple companies like this, um, can, uh, gain leverage and, uh, through synergy, you can lower costs and overhead and improve margin. But for 
most of the people in the specialty business, you know, margin is not, I mean, margin's always an issue, but it's not that big of a driver of the success of the venture when you're dealing with specialty uh, and especially luxury-oriented goods. So from day one, I questioned it. Actually, there was, I got into a little behind-the-scenes debate with a, another journalist who shall remain um, nameless, um, who the day that that was announced said, oh, this is going to be a huge success, largely based because of the fact that Randy Stearns, who I've interviewed, is a very, very smart guy. So the thinking was sort of along the lines, if anybody can make it work, um, he can. And in fact, somebody commented on the CE Pro article and said exactly that. You know, he's so smart. If anybody can make it work, he can, except he's now out of the picture. They now have a uh, financial guy who uh, was brought in to kind of salvage the situation. Um, and, you know, we'll see where it goes. I just think that it was the right idea, but the wrong venue. And um, I think that, you know, that... Uh, business strategy favors companies that are larger volume, uh, maybe margin stressed companies that by combining, consolidating, uh, eliminating redundancies, improving leverage can improve their margins and improve uh, their market power um, for buying demand. Um, all those things really don't play in a specialty business. So I'm not all that surprised. So it's more about the, the specialtiness of it than it is the conglomerate part is that what I'm yeah okay. I, yeah I mean you know uh, um, you know taking the example to a ridiculous degree I mean you can go to some craftsman you know in South Africa and say okay I'm gonna put together a consortium of all you craftsmen and try to take over the you know whatever the you know wooden flute market but it's just not the right um, business model to try to consolidate to take major market share and, you know, we're, integrators are a specialty business. Uh, they have many wonderful uh, parameters and aspects to their business and consolidating to lower costs, to drive margins, to grab market share is really not so much a specialty market attribute. And I think it was just, uh, uh, you know, it was probably doomed from the beginning. Wow. Can I, can I ask a quick question yeah. regarding this? Um, you know, is it possible to get you know, 10 or 12 different entities with different culture, uh, different brand selections, uh, different client bases together to operate as one company? Well, it's, 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 it's physically possible to do it, but it is very challenging and you don't really realize the benefits of the leveraging unless it's a consistent line assortment across all the brands. And if all the markets uh, have a similar type of demand um, it's just really hard to scale a specialty, almost craftsman type business. It's very hard to scale that. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll uh, add one other dimension to it. I, I agree with the specialty craft business and that characterized a lot of traditional AV. The one area where uh, there's a potential for an organization to serve a bigger geographic areas and for the big global companies. And we're seeing an increasing number of large entities that have multiple sites wanting to do a common uh, design across all the different facilities so that they can you know upgrade it more easily and maintain it more easily and interoperate more easily and uh, it is a little challenging sometimes that there's a lack of of dealers who can cover all the locations that they have an interest in serving so I'm this really doesn't speak to the situation at Buy International specifically because there's a lot that goes into making the acquisition successful or not successful, and especially when you put that many groups together. But I, I do understand perhaps the strategic argument for it. Well, and here's the other thing, and let's let's take it from the integration side because John and, and I'm going to pick on you for a second. John's a part of a a, a large I would call them large conference technologies is is got 15 or 16 offices. AVI Systems, our buddy. Uh, Kelly Perkins works over there. They've got 16 or 17 offices, primarily both of those companies, primarily in the Midwest, right? But maybe what I'm hearing, and, and back to Ted's point, and, and you know, Kevin, you said this, also is the is the 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 niche part, right? The craftsman part of of home uh, integration, as opposed to both CTI and, and ABI systems, are more in the corporate side, right? And not to put too fine of a point on this, but uh, you know, my buddy Rich Fragoza is a wonderful programmer. He lives in the residential space. 
almost every one of his programs is from the ground up a brand new program, right? And the programmers that I manage at N of Ed, we have multiple catalogs of a conference room, right? Where you've got, you know, two or three basic displays and this, that, and the other, but you've got a, a basic system already built, whether it's an AMX system or it's a Crestron or it's an Extron or whoever, you've got two or three of these programs already built. And the same thing with drawings and the same thing with, with consulting, right? You, you're going to walk in there as an integrator if it's a design build, and you're like, you know what, the, this is who I can get, so this is kind of what I've already got going, and you kind of go into it, right, already already in. In homes, it's a whole lot different. Is, is that what I'm hearing, Ted, is the fact that yeah, each yeah. one of these is, is, a, is a custom job almost? Yeah, I think you raise a very valid point. Now, I have to say, you know, some residential integrators do have sort of standardized uh, configurations that they apply over and over again because they want to make sure that they've got a, a bulletproof uh, system concept. But uh, but um, it, for the most part, what you say is true. As a rule of thumb, each system is sort of custom created, and um, you know, and um, that kind of business, that kind of craftsman, local craftsman business, it's just you know, it's very hard to scale. I wouldn't say that I think it's impossible, but I think it's very hard to scale. Yeah. And um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, there are other ways to grow your business and you can look at, you know, as a residential integrator, you can look at going into commercial, you can look at some other things um, where, where a partnership with another company might make sense. But um, I think that they, they took a tried and true, uh, you know, sort of financial gambit and tried to apply it to an industry that is just not conducive to that kind of a financial gambit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because, uh, well, we, we've got some other, you know, some, some guys who've been on the show that, that work for Vaya. So I, I do hope yeah. that they at least, you know, went through this. Well, so. yeah. yeah. A lot of good people. I don't, yeah. I don't mean to sound critical at all. A lot oh, no, of really no, no. good people there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they really, they have a, it's a good group of guys and very legitimate businesses. Uh, this idea just didn't pan out. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's hope that uh, for, for Microsoft, I shouldn't say for Microsoft's sake, they could they could go to every trade show in the rest of their existence and not feel a bump. But for their sake, I do hope that their ISC booth is a little bit more than their Infocom booth. Let's say, um, if you'll remember, actually, Joe, it was about a year ago we had this the, the Joe Andrewless on, and uh, as as we're coming on the air, um, uh, so to speak, Joe breaks the news. That Microsoft is going to be at, at Infocom for the first time, and well, I, I don't know if you went to Infocom, but it was a giant lounge. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this year they're they're going to ISC, and they are going to be showing something called the Surface Hub. It is an 84 inch, 4K, all in one display. Okay, let me say that part again. It is 4K. It is 84 inches, and they're going to have smaller ones as well. But the the big Mama Jamma is 84 inches. Um, it has Windows 10 on it, so it has a baked-in PC. It's touch. It has uh, uh, near-field communications. So, Jonathan, we'll, we'll start with you because you you are the the integrator, the lone integrator in this show. Uh, to me, this reminds me of the Mondo Pad, right? Of the 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 Mondo Pad. Not to, I don't think that MondoPad has near field on it, but it reminds me of that. Is this something as an integrator you would feel comfortable uh, specking if everything was right and, and you got it in the shop and everything was working? Would you feel comfortable with it uh, knowing it was from Microsoft or is that a deterrent? In other words, if it is it a good thing that it's from Microsoft and it's 84 inches and it's all this stuff, or is it, uh, is it a bad thing that it's from Microsoft? Well, Windows 8 scares me enough, and I've never even heard of Windows 10. So It was that, just released this week. So, I mean, that... And they're giving it away for free. They are. Yeah, for the first year. So that's even more of a red flag. Right <laughs> 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 um, But big touch displays, I mean, they aren't going anywhere. People love those, you know, so... If uh, if it's got something that the other ones don't, then I could see it being beneficial and cool. Um, most of the time, the big touch displays seems like people either want a digital whiteboard 
or some type of interactive digital signage, which yeah. neither one of those really require, you know, full-blown cutting-edge PC OS technology type stuff. So, you know, just like with 4K and the content argument, I would say <clears throat> somebody needs to throw some ideas out as to what this thing could do, and then I could comment as to whether or not I think anybody will use it. Okay. No, that, that, that's a valid statement. Um especially about the, the Windows 8 part. Although Windows 8 was a, is a touch better than Windows 7. So, uh, Joe, from your standpoint, is this something, and, and one of the things that it does is it interacts with, with audio and video, so you can talk to the thing. Um, ostensibly, they, they stole some of their, uh, their Kinect uh, software. I hope they tweaked it a little bit because Kinect still not, is not quite there. Uh, is this something that, that you guys at, at AMX um, specifically uh, – are looking at are doing something like are you guys concerned about you know the fact that it, you you can interact with it and so therefore technically you wouldn't need a, a control system on the back end to, to manipulate this thing yeah um, well first of all I, I've only seen as much as you have right yeah. so I can't speak specifically to uh, what it can do and so forth uh, and uh, it, it has a lot of capabilities from what I've seen all different kind of functions and uh, I think it remains to be seen which ones customers will adapt, adopt most, which ones will become kind of uh, more peripheral features versus real core features. But what, what I would comment though is that I think is very positive is, you know, AMX, uh, and I think the industry generally has for a long time been talking about how AV is being standardized somewhat so that you can put it in more spaces reliably. And this is, I think, another uh, another step in that, uh, in building that, that road. And so it's uh, Microsoft's experiment and Google has done some and a whole variety of, uh, you know, Crestron as well has, has done some experiments in this. And we're still working on the formula to find the things customers want most. But I'm excited to see what it can do. I, I hope it brings good ideas. I, I always think that competition, uh, you know, forces everybody to rethink their business and come to the table with some new ideas. So I'm hoping that at ISC we see uh, a huge step up from what their Infocom presence was and uh, that they've got something exciting to show off. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. And, and if you didn't catch it, actually Google was at, at, at Infocom too. They were, uh, yeah, they were asking people to join their, their job force. So yes, they were. Yeah. I haven't seen but, if, whether or not they're, they're coming to ISC yet or not. So, um, I haven't looked, but yeah, uh, I, they, you know, they have so many divisions that there could be, could be somebody there. There could be somebody there. You would have no idea yeah. that, um, that they do it. Uh, Ted, from your standpoint, what do you think? Uh, first of all, what do you think about it? And secondly, is it something that you could, you could see, you know, either in a residential space or a smaller uh, pro space? Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's really hard for me to judge the product because I have to really get around the whole Microsoft equation when it comes to hardware. You know, Microsoft's got just such a spotty record that uh, I, I, I've got to say that. Uh, with any new product with, that, that that comes from Microsoft, you know, frankly, they're guilty until they prove themselves innocent to me. So I got to tell you, if I was an integrator, which I'm not, but if I was, I would be very, very hesitant to see how it plays out uh, before I got on board. Okay, uh, I'm. You know, go ahead, Joe. Although Tim, you know, what's interesting about this is. Uh, because it is coming from Microsoft, you wonder if Microsoft's strategy is not to convince the integrator, but to convince the IT director, who might already be committed to Microsoft, and says, That's "Hey, this is point. one more thing you got for me." It, it may be that the the traditional buying decision makers are changed a little. Yeah, what was that Ted? Could be, I was going to say it could be kind of an end run. He's, yeah, I think he makes a very good point. Could yeah. be kind of an end run. Well, see, right. it's not even an end run anymore, guys. That's the thing. Um, somebody said on Twitter, you know, this is this is the introduction of, of IT or, or IT officially is AV. It's been that way for a while. I mean, honestly, we, we do a show called EdTech here um, where we have technology managers and all of them but one. And I was the only one when I was a tech manager that was under IT. But, you know, the difference is sometimes you can organize them so that they're merged together uh, but what's interesting about this one is the decision-making authority might be different, right? So you still had an AV guy saying, hey, you know, the IT guys, they, they go, okay, the AV guys are in my department now and they manage the conference room, but I really don't want anything to do with them and I don't want to go into their spaces and God bless them, good luck to them in there. 
uh, and put their stuff on the network and that's the extent of our relationship. But this is a product that really says, no, you know what, while you're buying your PCs, buy eight of these as well and just install them along the same pathway. And so it's going to be, I think they may be targeting a more genuinely unified department than, than has been in the past. And so all of a sudden, you know, the notion there is, is uh, you know, from an integrator's point of view for some of those spaces, it is get a little more, more interesting what Microsoft strategy is because the IT guy doesn't go to an integrator to get their PCs. No. For something that that sort of wheel in, plug it in, and walk away, what are they going to tell the IT guy about what they, how, who they should be getting it from? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they get them from distributors. Honestly, that's that's what. That's what I think. I think the more interesting part is is what is going to be the distribution impact more than the technological impact. Okay, so so let me ask you, Joe, this and and uh, and, and Kevin, you both. Uh, Kevin, real quickly before I ask you this, are, do you guys sell through integrators? Do you do distribution? How do you guys do it? We sell mostly through integrators. Okay. Uh, we do a little bit of two-channel uh, business with the two-channel uh, retail dealers. Okay, so that's... Uh, and we do uh, distribution on an international scope. Okay, so this is a perfect, perfect question for both of you then. Um, when, if ever... Are, is the AV industry going to move from that really great personal relationship of dealing with your integrators to the more IT-centric? It's a distribution, right? Um, with the exception of a handful of, of, you know, the Cisco model is a little different, but, you know, HP doesn't have dealers, right? Um, the, the folks who sell servers don't have dealers, distribution so Kevin first you know, first to you and then the Joe, Joe will ask you the same question are, are we going to get there to where this personal you know industry relationship is just going to you know calling somebody up and ordering some stuff Wow um, you know I tough question um, I, I think it it happens or is happening uh, ongoing um, the business is continually continually changing and morphing, uh, where it is becoming uh, more on on the uh, distribution type of delivery uh, rather than the personal delivery. I, th I think that's happening all the time. Um, you know, it's a very sophisticated product. The product requires uh, a very high skill set in order to uh, to install and. Uh, you know, and make sure that it's working properly. So we really do need specialists involved in specking and installing uh, the products for for people. Um, but more and more products are, are coming out that are, you know, geared towards uh, more of a distribution type of a business. Um, you know, maybe Joe can comment a little bit on, on his thoughts on this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really an interesting time for us right now and as now that we've joined Harman you know where we've got a broader range of products I'm starting to have my eyes open to more and more distribution options because you know AMX we're exclusive to a dealer network right even if it goes through distribution it still goes next to a dealer because we need that same expert install but products like this one that you know Microsoft is pulling out start saying well you know we address some of the same problems in those same spaces in a standard way that's wheel in plug two connectors in the ethernet and the power and, and walk away so um and you know some products within the Harman portfolio are much more straightforward and then they can get purchased without a dealer in between as well uh, you know or maybe it's a retail dealer yeah. it's not really sort of a pro type of, or a, one that is sort of a value-added retail reseller um and we're getting this year in fact has been a real real big big decision-making point for e-commerce because even people who buy through dealers will often say, well, I want to buy replacement products and I don't get why I can't just get online and buy one, right? Or this this product is very straightforward. I can buy those products and I just want to be able to get out. So at what point are you on that slippery slope to the point where, you know, you're gliding all the way to the bottom and almost all of your products are available through a direct-to-customer bottle? It's, it's going to be a uh, interesting point of transition for all of us. Yeah, it will be. I'm, I'm, you're, as Joe is talking, I'm thinking of two specific products: uh, the Amex Innova, which is which is their um, uh, yeah. one of their presentation platforms. And you guys, most people don't know this. You guys have a really kick butt uh, webcam. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> But seriously, Joe, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if you're using it or not, but it, it's, it's, it, you know, it, it collapsed. It looks like the size of a candy bar and you pop it up and you, you, you crank it out and it's got two mics and it's, but it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's a amazing, we it, literally that, that's an interesting re- one to bring out because that's one we've been debating is should that one just be a direct to consumer availability? Because there's, it's a USB plug. You plug yeah. it in and it works, right? I mean, what, what's the argument for restricting distribution of that um, and as you start seeing more products you know we've got our in walk or our in table connectivity solution right the hydroport right it's a cable management if you can drill a hole you can essentially install it so again is that another product that's in that crossover category um, it it raises lots of questions about what the most appropriate way is because we respect and want to protect our dealer channel tremendously right they add huge value but there's also competitive pressures that say if if my competitors deliver it in a particular way and i expect you to or i'm not buying it from you yeah. that that doesn't help our dealers either right because they, they simply don't buy amx products at all so we got to find a way through the woods here together yeah that's a very good point but yeah, that's i i don't envy you how about that <laughs> so um I so, don't Joe, think... Joe, can i just ask a question because uh sure. one thing that i see is uh you know, the, the integrators, the dealers, uh, certainly the good ones, are, are pretty, um, uh, they're, they're able to, uh, to move with the marketplace. Uh, you know, and they see what's happening in the market and change their business so that their businesses remain viable. Uh, yes. I, I see that. And certainly one, one thing that comes to mind for me in this discussion is, is kind of the change that's happened with, with the iPad. In the industry, where uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of the higher end integration systems uh, have been, I don't know if dumbed down is the right word, but you know they're certainly uh, being controlled through an iPad. Where if you go back, you know, six, eight, ten years ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah, uh, and the integrators seem to change their business to adapt uh, and and still keep their businesses viable. I completely agree with you, and I think that that's one of the, it's the painful but necessary acceptance that the dealers need to do, and you do see the good ones say, you know what, the world changes, and it's not AMX's fault or any other vendor, they can't control it either, and they they do, they move to increasing levels, they provide more services, or they do other things that wrap around the products to say, I can still do a lot for you, Mr. End User, Mm -hmm. Um, but you know what, that's all change, and change is uneven and it's always traumatic for companies. So even though people may accept that intellectually, getting them to actually put it into practice, uh, encounter all of the challenges culturally that that might represent and skills, people's jobs may change or some may be lost and replaced by others. You know, that that's tough for any industry. It's a tough for any company. It's even more traumatic when you're looking at it, an entire industry doing it. And, Manufacturers rely essentially on the entire industry, and uh, so we're exposed to the, the challenges each one of them feels separately. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, all right, we're going to kind of wrap this up by, by talking about ISE a little bit and, and, and some folks that are doing some cool things. Uh, first, Joe, you guys are going to ISE. You will be a part of uh, ISE's Integrated Systems Europe. It's, it's the world's largest uh, AV show. It's in Amsterdam in just over two weeks, which is kind of crazy. Uh, um, uh, when do you, when do you land there, Mr. Andrewlis and, and, and where you, what are you guys going to be doing? Uh, well, we certainly will be there. In fact, we're always there. We always have a big presence. Uh, this year, the big change will be, uh, we'll have a bigger booth than ever. We're essentially taking the Harman professional booth and the AMX booth, combining them into a property that's about 40% larger than the previous AMX booth, which was Good always night. large. And the, the big difference is it's going to be not an AMX booth. It's going to be a Harman professional booth. All the brands will be represented. Uh, using kind of the experience center plus product area model that AMX has used in the past. So uh, I don't know quite what to expect. I mean, even though AMX is kind of taking the lead for planning it, it's still a bit of an adventure for us. But it's going to be a very, very neat experience. I'm I'm delighted you'll be there in person to see it, Tim, and uh, uh, can't wait to get there. I know, I know you'll be busy because I've been going back and forth with with <laughs> one Mr. Lane yeah. Shannon and and uh, rescheduling and triple scheduling and yeah, uh, <laughs> Kevin, you guys will be there too. Uh, what will you guys be showing at, at at Integrated Systems Europe? We will be there. Uh, for me, this is my first ISE, so I'm I'm pretty excited about cool. going. Uh, we we've, we've displayed at ISE. Uh, 
uh, in a partnered booth for uh, this will be our third time. Uh, so we're relatively new to this to this show. Um, our business has primarily been focused on the North American market until I would say the last uh, three or four years, and now we're starting to branch out and do a lot more business uh, internationally. Um, we'll be showing our, our isolation transformers. Um, uh, we have a small uh, setup, certainly uh, very small by, by relation to uh, uh, what Joe's involved with uh, at AMX. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, it's a chance to get to, uh, to understand the, uh, the international and specifically European market uh, and try to understand the differences between the European market and the North American market as it relates to our products. Um, we're finding that um, our products in the North American market are, are being, uh, they're being used and installed by, by custom integrators more than anybody else, high-end custom integrators. Uh, but the European market is, uh, seems to be more uh, of a two-channel play for us. Um, so, you know, one of the big things on my radar is, is to try and understand what are the differences between the marketplaces and, and how do we approach the different marketplaces relative to Taurus power. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, the, I, I'm, I'm with you. This is my first time uh, going as well. So it'll, it'll be interesting. And we have a booth and it's not anywhere near Joe's size either. So don't, don't feel bad. Um, we're, uh, we're in not this. all about size, Tim. I... <laughs> <laughs> nice. There it is. God love you, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Ted, from, from your standpoint, um, yeah talk about something i'm my face is red i can tell uh you're from the residential side and 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 that con the consumer electronics side is this is this show important for for this this that market well i mean certainly for manufacturers that have worldwide distribution it's important for me my coverage you know for strategy.com has been almost exclusively u.s based yeah. i thought but i just did the analysis of my 2014 business, which, by the way, was in, I had an insane year in 2014. My average daily page views more than doubled. Good. My subscriber list hit new records weekly for the entire year. And uh, probably the biggest surprise for me was that Strategy.com is now being read in something like 139 countries, um, which tells me that it's still very heavily predominant in the U.S. market. Yeah. But it's uh, beginning to be um, prominent enough now in my uh, numbers that I think I have to really start looking at uh, at going. But uh, yeah, I'm not going this year, but I am looking at it. Yeah, we we kind of did the same analysis, and when you start getting um, multiples uh, from like Saudi Arabia and um, you know, Russia is a, a large country, but I'm, I'm, these smaller ones like you know we have lots of India, lots from China and, and other countries as well. So yeah. We kind of did the same thing. So, uh, real quickly before we get out of here, I wanted to kind of mention uh, an old friend of ours. Uh, Middle Atlantic is doing something interesting. They threw together and they are offering. It's, it's called C2G now. Uh, when I was buying it, it was called Cables to Go. It's it's a company that I used to use a lot. Uh, but they are. It's it's you can buy if you're a, a, a dealer. Basically, you, you can get it from Middle Atlantic. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and the other thing is. The fact that we have, uh, I mentioned the fact that we have a, a booth. We do. Um, it uh, is a, a very small booth. Uh, it's in Hall 7. Joe, what, what hall are you guys in? Oh, gee, I for our booth number. Oh, no. Uh, it's mind. All I know is that we're right up front. As you walk in, you're, we're off to well, the right. We're off to the right. I they're never the, remember our booth number. They're the entire booth. They're in the entire yes, hall. the basically. entire hall. <laughs> Ke Kevin, do you know your guys' I, I believe we're in Hall Five. There you go. So we're we're relatively close. It's a huge space. So so come by, go see Kevin, go see yes. Joe. Uh, make an appointment to see Joe because he's very busy. Uh, I I am not that. Uh, no, we're we're all kind of busy. Hit the ground running. Um, and by the way, Tim, yes. if you need another correspondent over there for Avery AV Nation, you know I'm available. Thousand bucks, baby. Thousand bucks get you over there. <laughs> I I have. Uh, uh, we we were with Joe's help and a number of other people. We we did a Kickstarter and to save about nearly a thousand dollars, actually, uh, we did a B uh, Air B to B. So we were in, we rented an apartment like three blocks from the RAI, and it was a lot less expensive than renting hotel rooms. So 
Um, you, you figure in the cost of transportation back and forth to the ho- to the hotel and everything else like that. It's right there. The folks that that own it have been very very nice and very accommodating. Um, so much so that I'm, I'm thinking about doing the same thing for for Orlando for uh, Infocom this year. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we've got a tweet up. So come by. Um, the tweet up is actually at the HD Base T booth at uh, five o'clock on Wednesday of the show. All right, guys. Uh, Mr. Joe Andrulis, uh, my buddy, my pal, and I. Somebody's phone's going off. Sorry. Interesting. I've lost Joe's video too, so we'll come back to him in a second. Uh, John Parker, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Uh, how can people find out more about you or CTI? Uh, suppose conferencetech.com. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Mr. Ted Green from Strategy and the Stratacon Group. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Fun as always. How can people find you and find out more about you? Uh, the best place to find me is at strategy.com. That's S-T-R-A-T-A hyphen G-E-E.com. All right. Very good. Uh, Kevin Main from uh, Taurus Power. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Tim. I've enjoyed being a part of this. We're at uh, TaurusPower.com. That's T-O-R-U-S, TaurusPower.com. TaurusPower.com. All right. Uh, and uh, Joe is, has lost uh, connection here, so I'll, I'll do his for him, amx.com. Uh, he is the vice president of, of marketing and communications for, um, uh, for AMX, so check that out if you would, please. And I believe their Twitter handle is at AMX Talk, so uh, that's theirs. My name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me on Twitter, um, but if you would, please go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, this week, we, we published um, the January version of AV Crosstalk, uh, Melissa Dillman and uh, Victoria uh battled out over uh, flat panels versus projectors. So it was very interesting. I also have a very special interview coming up uh, in a couple of days uh, with one of my personal, um, I guess, heroes or mentors, uh, Kirsten Nelson. I interviewed her as she's moving from editor of SCN to editor at large at SCN. It's a good good conversation. Uh, Mr. Ted mentioned his, his subscriber list. Ours isn't quite as big, but as Joe says, it's not the size. So uh, see if you can't uh, grow that by a couple more. Um, I think he's coming back on. There he is. Joe, I, th- I, I think I, d- I did everything right, but go ahead and tell people how to get a hold of you in AMX. Uh, you can get a hold of me at joe.andrulis at harman.com. Okay. So we are part of Harman now. Uh, or uh, you can contact me at any of the contact points that you'll find on the amx.com website. Um, and would always delight to hear from anybody on any topic. All right. Very cool. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. So, so go by our website and, and sign up for our uh, our newsletter. The first one comes out uh, at the end of the month. We're not gonna go crazy. We're just gonna do them on a monthly basis. Basically, a recap of kind of what we do, what we what we've done, and what we got coming up. So, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.